0: Hi, I'm Gerald Godsey, president of Heartbeat International, and I have the privilege of being on the Pro-Life Podcast, grateful for Jacob's invitation. And this podcast, we talk about Abortion Pill Rescue Network. We talk about uh, some of the dynamic things that are happening, including being sued by the attorney general of the state of California, uh, and some of the other adventures that we get involved in, and really why it's important for pregnancy help and what that makes such a big difference for women all across this country
1: and all around the world. Jarell, I'm excited to have you on the Pro-Life Team podcast once again. Uh, in this intro, would you introduce yourself along with introducing the company, you know, Heartbeat International, who you represent? Sure. Um, well, I'm Jarell Godsey. I have been
0: in the pregnancy help movement now for uh, more than 30 years, uh, and even longer than that in the pro-life movement, I actually got started... Uh, um, but really by getting arrested uh, with operation rescue back in the day uh, actually found out about pregnancy centers while I was in jail uh, literally <laughs> uh, had, after having been arrested they're like hey there's this thing called a crisis pregnancy center that's happening you know that's trying to open in your area you might want to go and check it out so I got to be the one to do that for our for our church and uh, um, well stepped into a center that wasn't yet open was, just wood frames uh, and and working its way towards opening and I managed to get, be a part of that and then eventually joined the board and uh, eventually um, a few years later uh, went on staff at that center and that's been my uh, I've been working full time uh, in the pro- pregnancy help movement since 1996 and so um, fast forward uh, uh, basically 10 years later I, I end up end up at Heartbeat International here in Columbus Ohio. And take that local experience and get to really be part of the national, international pregnancy help scene and uh, pro-life uh, leadership across the nation. And it's been quite the journey, and really a privilege to serve people who are in this movement. I, I so it's kind of how I cut my teeth on on uh, on this, and it's a privilege and a pleasure to be serving those who are doing this on a daily basis.
1: Awesome. And, and I know that, you know, this podcast is not built to be a commercial for someone who's a guest and trying to promote the organization. But at the same time, I think it's really important for what Heartbeat does as a leader in the pregnancy clinic pro-life space, or really in the pregnancy clinic space of the pro-life movement. Um, can you share the vision and mission of Heartbeat? Like what, what drives Heartbeat? Um, well, yeah, what's driven Heartbeat International? Well, Heartbeat, Heartbeat started out, it was called Alternatives
0: to Abortion International, started in 1971. It was the very first of its kind in the U.S. You know, this had this all really kind of started as far as pregnancy centers had started uh, officially in 1968 with the first birthright. That was the very first pregnancy center that we know of. Um, but pregnancy help was around before even that. You know, people were answering their phones, our, our our mutual friend, Sister Paula, yeah, um, uh, who passed just not too long ago, was was one of the founders of Heartbeat International, and before Heartbeat, she was answering hotlines you know and she had the girl scouts helping her out at one point as i understand and that there were there were all of these activities that were happening saying well as soon as this this stuff gets straightened out with abortion you know we're going to get this right it's going to be fine but we need to help women who can't wait for it to be to be set straight and so they were doing it however they could they were you know they were Meeting them uh, by over the phone. Then this is back in the day when you know you had a rotary dial and you had a cord that was attached to the wall. And so this was uh, you know a long time ago and a lot of technology ago. But it was the good heart of people reaching out and saying, "How can we help?" And heartbeat was founded in that, really called into existence by the pregnancy help movement of that time. Uh, and so it became the first, and it's and and it's the largest in the uh, really in the U.S. and in the world. We have. Uh, Over 1,900 pregnancy centers uh, that are affiliated with Heartbeat International in the U.S. alone, Um, and we don't affiliate just pregnancy centers because we really see pregnancy help—the pregnancy help movement—as a spectrum. Right? You know, pregnancy help happens uh, in all kinds of places, including on the sidewalk. It happens in, you know, in pro-life doctors' offices. It happens uh, in all kinds of places where people are being helped. To um, to not need abortions and certainly it happens in pregnancy centers, maternity homes, adoption agencies, and similar organizations like that, which we call pregnancy help organizations uh, that help make that happen, help serve women uh, with that need, and help them not need abortions altogether. So we changed the name back in 1993 from Abortion uh, Alternatives to Abortion International to Heartbeat International, which was the name of our our um, uh, newsletter at the time was Heartbeat, and uh, Sister Paula was actually the one that uh, that uh, was the most common contributor to that in those days. And so it's a it's a pleasure and a privilege to be uh, part of Heartbeat International, uh, and it's really serving the pregnancy help movement worldwide. I, I like to say we are all about uh, unifying and advancing the pregnancy help movement. Uh, our official mission is that we are to reach and rescue as many lives as possible through an effective network of pregnancy help and renew communities for life.
1: Mm, that's good. I really appreciate your group um, being one of the leaders of our movement because we have a, we have a lot of uh, organizations working to serve and in, in, as a unified group in some ways and as independent, but yet still really parts of this larger body of Christ working to ultimately um, serve those who are being Targeted and and to rescue and provide healing, and and essentially when it comes to, when I think of Heartbeat International, I think of the education that is offered, the um, the guidance that can be provided. I also think of Option Line when it comes to providing twenty four seven services that go beyond someone's hours of operation. I also think, or I and I and I'm not an, I'm not an expert on this part, but I've also heard a great deal about the trauma. Research and work that Heartbeat has done when it comes to helping people deal with responding to trauma and working in that area. Um, There's probably a lot of parts of Heartbeat I'm not even touching on. Like there's um, (laughs) Extend, there's APR, there is abortion pill abortion pill rescue network. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's go there. Uh, Sure. Yeah, but Dr. Delgado and another doctor I don't quite know his name, but I believe there was two doctors in the beginning.
0: Okay, yes, Dr. Harrison was the very first uh, happened in 2006 uh, was presented with a um, a young woman who had taken that first pill, showed up uh, you know at his uh, at his practice or talking to him, and basically she said, "I did this, I, I regret it I I, I I can't go through with it. Is there anything you can do? And uh, Dr. Harrison, uh, was was did the research looked at it? He said, I think we can try this and basically gave her a, a high dosage of, of progesterone, uh, which um, uh, which is something that OBs commonly prescribe to women who are at risk of miscarrying or, or deficient. And of course we we know that mifepristone, the abortion pill, the first of the of the two abortion pills, is really designed to uh, block mifepristone to kind of uh, outcompete it for uh, for the the mechanisms that's in a woman's body and basically starve the baby. Well, that particular um, high dosage of progesterone uh, was administered, and you know, of course, he couldn't make any guarantees. And praise the Lord, it was successful. Uh, that young lady uh, is 16 years old today. Uh, and uh, look, we'll should be, have a 17th uh, birthday here very shortly. So that was the first rescue that uh, uh, rescue using abortion pill reversal that we know of. And then Dr. Delgado, that, he was, uh, Dr. Harrison was in North Carolina and Dr. Delgado in in San Diego uh, was the next person. He a couple of years later, he had someone present a very similar story presented. And then fortunately, he was he was a, he did the same research progesterone. Eventually, Dr. Delgado and uh, Dr. Harrison got connected, and um, uh, Dr. Delgado really felt called that that this needed to happen uh, more regularly, more doctors. And so he started the first, um, what was known then as the abortion pill reversal network. Uh, we changed it to abortion pill rescue network, and that was kind of intentional because abortion pill reversal we see as the protocol, right? The protocol that that she she's going through, that she's basically saying, uh, I need this help and this is the help that we're gonna provide her. But the idea of a rescue network is much broader because there are nurses on our hotline. We have over 20 nurses that answer the, uh, the those calls around the clock. Um, we have uh, then of course the physicians or the prescribers that we're able to refer to. And then the pregnancy centers that are part of the network we're able to connect because there's always that need for a follow-up ultrasound. So we see that whole uh, that whole team really is being the rescue network and abortion pill reversal is that protocol that is being prescribed to her. How oh, and many, by the way, now, uh, since yeah. since Delgado started, so we, we now count more than 4,500 lives uh, that have been saved uh, in that in, uh, since the beginning. So that would have been 2012. Uh, and I know that there's probably more and that number is growing every single day.
1: Awesome. Yeah, that's that's actually, I was going to ask you how many saves. So what percent, so when a woman takes the uh, uh, APR protocol within 48 hours, is it still at about 60% or what percent um, of women will end up having, um, you know, the baby will end up surviving? So the the in the study that
0: Delgado did in 2018, uh, those study involved nearly 600 women. I think it was like 574 women. Uh, the success rate uh, that that he found was between 64 and 68 percent. Kind of dependent on what uh, what method was used because there's different methods: injection. There's a, there was a cream. There was a uh, oral oral medication. So there were some differences in. In the in the responses, but we've also seen some other studies. In fact, you know the uh, one of the one a, one a very small study uh, actually shows us uh, effectiveness as high as 80%. So it, it can range. It, it's going to depend on uh, one on how quickly we can get to her. Uh, we are finding that um, the women that are talking to us, desperate for a, a different decision. Uh, really about seventy five percent of the percent of those women are presenting in the first twenty four hours, so you can just see like that like it's just something happens after they've taken that first pill you 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 can imagine, and many report this to us is that they were really wrestling. With the thought before they they took that pill, and um, once they took it, they you know they they basically said that was wrong. How can I? Very much like that very first story, that that was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. How how what can I do now? And when they reach us, they are desperate for that information. They really want to know: Is there anything I can do? And we're we're delighted to be a part of that process to help them get. And not all of them make that decision. You know, some of them are still questioning. You know, they they. The pressures haven't necessarily changed. The people around them that are kind of uh, encouraging them to make uh, an abortion decision haven't changed, um, and so some of them don't actually um, follow through. They'll continue with their abortion, and of course that that's difficult. But we're grateful that uh, that many of them still do. Uh, about I think it's about seventy-five percent of them will still go through uh, with the uh, with the reversal that they'll actually start their reversal, and we're pleased to be a part of that.
1: Oh, that's awesome! Would you would you uh, talk to us about the? Well, talk to, talk to me about the outreach of Heartbeat to promote the moral education about sexuality to both young men and young women. Like, what what is wh- what is Heartbeat when it comes to pr- promoting uh, education in that space? Well, we we realized a long time ago um, that
0: we're not. I mean, this is decades ago. We're, we're not just a um, kind of a Hail Mary moment when she's in the middle of her uh, unplanned, unintended, unexpected pregnancy. Uh, We really, you know, it's not just enough, it's not enough just to talk to her about that particular pregnancy. It's also talking about the conditions that, that she found herself where she made that decision. So we began to explore the opportunity to Um, really find ways to kind of minister to her in that moment and that's what many pregnancy centers do is that they they will look for that moment to say hey how can how can we have make healthier decisions in our relationships and so that led us a number of years ago to create a program we called sexual integrity program it's a term that we we um, uh, we learned Early on, and, and and I think we're one of the one of the early promoters of that term, sexual integrity, kind of to offset the the you know kind of the the um, uh, dated term of abstinence. It certainly includes abstinence, but sexual integrity uh, really is a more holistic idea of how we should operate in our relationships. And so it's been a our privilege. We're actually retooling and re, re kind of retuning that particular. Program uh, with more updated material. We have a great uh, partner in that. Dr. Joe Malone has been a part of that, helped us create some new um, material, and has he himself came? He's a, uh, a professor at a university in Tennessee, and has become a very helpful insight with some updated research on that. So we've been delighted to have him at our conference. We're, we've been grateful for him being involved in uh, retooling that 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 particular program for us. So it's all about kind of getting information out to, to the to the pregnancy help community so that they can interact with their, their uh clients, that they can really in those moments where they can start to say, all right, you know, we, we, we not only need to need to talk about the pregnancy, we need to talk about what situation has kind of surrounded you to find yourself in this situation. How can we help improve that? And you know, that's I think an important message and an important opportunity uh for us to help these women really make better decisions. Now I know some of them are 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 kind of trapped in those decisions uh, or in those relationships and we want to help them escape that as well. Uh, but for, for many of them, they just have never been taught. They've never been taught about their their own sexuality, about their their kind of the the way God has made them. Some of the things that that, that we don't necessarily have to talk to them about God, but we can certainly talk about God's creative power and how, how wonderfully women are crafted, women are made, and uh, how their, their own femininity is a, is a superpower. And so uh, we encourage that and, and really want them to kind of ha- have and understand that identity.
1: Oh, that's yeah, and we've had, uh, Joe, yeah, I've, I've interviewed Joe Malone, and yeah, he likes he uses that exact phrasing, and I would say he's brilliant and spot on, and I'm really glad I did not know he was partnered with with you on that in that front, and so that's exciting to hear because I think he is, yeah, adding a lot of value to that that space, um, yep. and talking on that topic. Um, would you talk to us about what's going on with the AG in California with APR and what that what's going on there when it comes to the attorney general there um, filing a lawsuit against or, you know, essentially the attack on APR?
0: Yeah, so I have limitations on what I can say and how I can describe okay. it. But uh, as far as, you know, what I can tell you what's. What's gone on? Yes, the AG Bonta um, has put a lawsuit out against Heartbeat International for the for the promotion of abortion pill reversal. Uh, So they have grave. They have concerns about um, uh, so-called that they say that this is deceptive and misleading and fraudulent practice. And, of course, we totally disagree with that. And that's going to be part of what the lawsuit is about, is about. uh, they're going to try to present information that suggests that that's true, and we are going to stand up and say that's not true. This is something that uh, is uh, that progesterone's been safe and effective for women uh, for decades, right? So going back, I believe it began to be prescribed in the '40s or '50s, right? So uh, we've been at, we've been having that a, 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 out and available a long time. That it certainly uh, is a is a, a cutting edge uh, use of a of a very familiar. And um, um, common uh, uh, prescription that for women that are facing that the abortion pill itself, mifepristone, is really designed uh, to essentially create a miscarriage, and that's exactly what progesterone has been prescribed for—is to help address address miscarriage. And really, the idea of having it uh, as a um, uh, a high dosage means as we really are, are helping it out compete the mifepristone which is designed to block what progesterone does so that's the that's what we've been using apr for and the ag has uh, found that that is not they don't think that that's acceptable um we of course uh are are not um unfamiliar with the fact that they're that the ag is highly supported by uh the abortion lobby the pro abortion dollars for campaigns and such and so to us, it, can't, it, it certainly appears to be more politically motivated than actually motivated, uh, but we're, we're, we're looking forward to kind of fighting that battle. We, we are very confident in abortion pill reversal. Its effects, uh, the fact that this is what women want, uh, and, and we uh, certainly can't find ourselves in a place where we would abandon women to abortion and abandon them to only what the abortionists and the, those that, the, that champion abortion would, uh, would want for them. These women deserve better. And we're very, uh, very excited about fighting for their opportunity to have one chance to a, a last chance to choose
1: life. Yeah. And well, I appreciate you sharing what you can about that, and I, and it, yeah, and it, uh, if, I, if I ask you a question where it's just too hard to separate what's, you know, public versus private, feel free to pass. But I, I didn't mean to put you in that spot, but <laughs> no, I appreciate and the way you answered. And I,
0: well, part of it, is, it's it's um, it's still early. Right. The, the, the comment, you know, this just happened. We learned about this. Um, actually, we learned about it from a, a reporter uh, who who said this was the email. The reporter said, hey, in a few minutes, you're going to be sued by the state of California. Like how did they know that like in a, this uh, and here's the here's the that's the bad news right then we learned that we actually were in a staff meeting coming out of our staff meeting at the end of September we were learning that that was the case that it had been reported that that was going to happen we didn't get served until like more than a week later um but we we learned about it through the reporters and then we then we also uh were aware of the press conference that the um and the press release that the the attorney's office put out And here's the good news. That happened on a Thursday. All of the hoopla really kind of unfolded Thursday and Friday because it hit the news cycle on Friday. Here's the good news is that that weekend, three times the number of women that that reach out to the abortion pill rescue network called us that weekend and three times the number of women that start uh, abortion pill reversal on on a weekend started their own reversal. So if it took a g bonta's press release and and all of those announcements to make that more widely known uh then we then we we welcome that you know that more women had a chance to change their mind is a good thing hmm. uh and we we celebrate that we we wish it could happen in a different way we wish uh uh that the the bullies at, at big tech weren't uh uh censoring our uh advertising they weren't uh putting their thumb on the scale so to speak and uh, protecting abortion um, in the way that they do by by censoring abortion pill reversal advertising, uh, but that's what's happening and it's been happening now since September of 2021. So um, hey, however we can get the word out and you know we have ways that make them happen. Uh, fortunately for those that are are desperate in, in to change their mind, they're able to find us and that's exactly why we we want to be there to help them.
1: Yeah and. Yeah, so my team, we're praying for you and and essentially for that, yeah, for that situation. Um, And so we're, yeah, we're in support. And I just want to, yeah, and I would encourage those who are listening to, yeah, to pray as well for a heartbeat. And, yeah, essentially the friends who are being, you know, essentially who are fighting, fighting for life in California with this, in this fight. Um, Thanks, Jacob. They they didn't just tag us. They also uh, went after Real
0: Options, uh, which has five centers in the Bay Area. Yeah, was it Real um, Options that, or Obria? Well, the... it's, it's Real Options Obria. Yeah, it's the, they, okay. they use both. Um, they use both uh, um, brands, um, but they they're also in the fight. We're grateful for them. They were they've actually been doing APR longer than we have. You know, we 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 took up the banner in 2018 when Dr. Delgado needed really more of a national international partner and in all of that. We were we were grateful to be able to kind of take the baton from him. Uh, but our friends at Real Options have been really doing this uh, even a couple of years before we were, so w- we couldn't be more delighted about uh, you know being in it with, with such uh, committed folks and being a part of it. Um, and why why they got singled out when others are doing it, we don't know. We're not totally certain, um, but that's just one of the things that we're watching, kind of how the political process is unfolding here, as well as of course the legal process. Those are arguments that we look forward uh, to. Um, to bringing forth and we're grateful by the way for our partners uh, at uh, Thomas Moore Society they've jumped in on this with us uh, they have a great team in California uh, we're very uh happy to have them on, on board with as well they they're brilliant lawyers and um, have been very successful in other conversations or or tussles with the with the attorney general and so we're glad to have them on board as well
1: yeah and and, and so I've had the opportunity well Real options, Obria works with several vendors, and I, I happen to be, yeah be one of the vendors that they they work with. And and before before Heartbeat uh, yeah has really championed APR, uh, I was working with Delgado on on it for well actually I I met uh, Doctor George Delgado and Nurse Debbie at um, at Internationalized Services Advanced Training Institute event with Sister Paula, and at first I didn't understand what they were saying. I honestly it took me about three months after the after that (laughs) event to really like soak in like wait you can reverse the abortion pill like uh, it took me that long to actually comprehend the fact of what they talked about for so i i I sat in on a workshop i talked to them and i really it just did not make sense that you could literally reverse the abortion pill like i was thinking it it just felt like is that real like and i i just didn't Register and then I had an epiphany. It's like, oh my goodness, I need to, I need to see what I need to help out however I can. And so then I worked with them. I think for about six years. And then, and then it was a great move to, you know, for you for your group to essentially amplify the voice and reach of that incredible messaging, Uh, because awareness is was such a key point at that time. And I feel like, actually, here's the question for you: Is what percent of pregnancy clinics? Do you think currently know about APR? Is have we reached like what you know? For if, if, back then, it was like a, a minority for a long time. Like it felt like it was twenty percent, thirty percent. I know it's but you know it's probably really good today. But in your opinion, how many pregnancy clinics are currently in the know on this?
0: Well, the good news. The good news is uh, because of our relationships and reach, we were able to kind of double the pregnancy centers. In pretty quick order, that we're part of the uh, we call it APRN or the Abortion Pill Rescue Network. Um, we think that that uh, thankfully some of our other sister organizations have picked up the, the the charge as well and been promoting it. I know some of the uh, APRN docs uh, have uh, presented at other conferences. Uh, Dr. Delgado has been a tireless uh, cha- you know kind of advocate, a champion, speaking on this all over. Uh, you know, he did our conference years ago before we we actually ran this and we were you know, delighted to, to know about it, but I like you, like you, Jacob, like I didn't fully appreciate what it was until we started to see really the rise of abortion pill in the, in the U S you know, go back to 2011 and you're looking at, you're looking at maybe 11, 12%, uh, 17% are, 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 uh, are of all the abortions in the U S were chemical. Uh, but by the time we get to 2017, we're seeing a 34% and then we we learned uh you know it actually in 2020 they they estimate that that was 54%. and so we know that uh the numbers now are probably closer to 80% of all abortions are now chemical. it's it's uh it's a cheaper product for them to deliver. the cost uh, uh curiously is about the same as a surgical abortion and so the the profit margin for the abortion industry is has certainly increased and um i think it's just come out that there's a curiously there's a bunch of billionaires that are behind all of this as far as the pharmacy and promoting uh abortions and whatnot and it's like it's no wonder you know this is a this is a, a multi-billion dollar industry that we're that we're battling um but the fact that uh, chemical abortions are on the rise uh means that there are going to be more women that are regretting that decision um that that are were kind of felt trapped into that moment until you know, it's hard to say what happens in every instance, uh, but I, I, you know, I, I've I have many stories of of uh, these women basically having just taken that pill, sitting in the parking lot right outside the abortion clinic, and calling and reaching us. And some of them have tried to call, go back into the abortion clinic and say, "Is there anything you can do? I don't want to go through with this." And they're they're told no. And that is that's probably the biggest, um, you know. Uh, grieving that that does that that she's being denied the information and uh, this is for political reasons This is a, a proven process, you know, we've seen as mentioned many lives have been helped uh, it, And with uh progesterone, it's bioidentical to what she produces anyway It's not it's the abortion pill. That is the exotic creation out of a lab uh, We really are just giving her more of what she already does and what she already produces And so I, I wish that there was less um, Politics surrounding this less ideology and more practical help for women in mind, and I think this shouldn't be something that we disagree about. It should be something that uh, if you if you truly believe in choice, then you should also believe in her choice to withdraw her consent from the abortion she no longer wants.
1: Yeah. So, in your experience, what is one of the um, what's one of the, the the top lies that the enemy is using to promote? their position on, on abortion pill and abortion pill reversal. Um, it feels like, yeah. So when it comes to expel, you know, you know, shedding light on a lie that is, uh, being used, like for example, that lie you gave, you know, as an example of, no, you can't do anything to reverse it. So, but in your opinion, what's one of the top lies that the enemy is using? And yeah, let's shed some light on one of the top ones. Well, one of the biggest
0: things is that this is just, this is just a pill. This is, you know, in fact, even in the terminology, we refer to it as chemical abortion, right? Because to us, that's what it is. It's a, it's a chemical. It, and the other side wants to label it something that sounds more harmless. You know, they want to label it, they call, it, they want to call it medication abortion. Like, okay. But what is what does that really say? Or medicine, medical abortion like that says even less. Like, so they've really been at this kind of PR idea from the beginning. And they've, in the process, they also basically say uh, it's, you know, it's safe. It's easy. You know, you, you, yeah, you might have a little extra bleeding. Well, if you've seen the movie Unplanned, you've seen that there's often that 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 it's often a lot worse than that. Uh, and our friends at Charlotte Lozier Institute have uh, actually done some studies in APLOG, the um uh, the American Association of Pro-Life OB Gyns to have basically done some research on, and found that, you know, with uh, chemical abortion, there's like a uh, greater than 400 percent increase in emergency room. At, emergency room visits after a chemical abortion, as opposed to surgical abortion. That says something, that something is going on, that the abortion industry is being shielded and protected by uh, mainstream media, by even the FDA is ignoring that. They've, they, the FDA has changed its rules uh, to, to actually count less or 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 get less information so that they can't be held accountable for those things these are the travesties that are happening uh within the not just the abortion industry but within the the pro-abortion administration or or leaders of these agencies that have basically been shielding the abortion industry along the way are frankly are women women deserve better you know they they they're they're being uh, used in this instance to really foist uh, in my mind to really um, uh, have an ideology foisted upon them, and in the process uh they're they're playing on the old sympathies that that we or the old issues that we know from the past, you know whether it's surgical or chemical. we know that women aren't choosing abortion um, I, I can't I can't help but go back to the frederica matthews green she says women don 't choose an abortion like they would choose ice cream or a porsche uh they choose abortion like a like a uh, an animal. Uh, chooses to gnaw off its own leg in order to escape a trap. Like that's the sense that happens. And, you know, we've seen a study just recently that said, what, 64% of of women felt coerced into their abortion decision. That's not that's not the championing of a right. That's really uh, pressing women into making a decision they don't really want. And that's exactly what pregnancy centers are there for, to help her have that moment where she can step back and say, uh, I don't really want to do this. Then the opportunity then is for the center to say, "Well, we can we can help you with that." That's exactly why we're here. That's the beauty of pregnancy help, and particularly pregnancy help centers.
2: Hmm,
1: yeah, that's good. So I really appreciate you sharing all this great information. So when it comes to a pregnancy clinic, who, well, how many pregnancy clinics are affiliated with Heartbeat International? Like, out of all the clinics in the country, where do you think you currently? for those who are affiliated versus those who haven't affiliated.
0: Yeah. So we count, um, we count more than 2,800 uh, pregnancy centers, right? So whether they're, they're, uh, we say resource centers or medical clinics, like we count them kind of lump them all together, including mobile units. We kind of count them as, as an individual location because essentially they are a center, right? They're just, they don't have an address. You know, they're, they're, they're a center that rolls on wheels. So we count the medical clinics, the resource centers and the mobile units, and we count more than 2,800 of those. And uh, We have just under 2,000 of those in the US alone. Uh, those locations are affiliated with Heartbeat International. Um, we, of course, would want everybody, we think, well, why not? Like, you know, we, this, is, uh, this is something that, this is what we're called to do, is really serve the pregnancy help community. Um, and internationally, uh, it's harder to know the exact number uh, but we count another, uh, probably another uh, 2,000 to maybe 2,500 around the world. Um, and they start to look a little different in certain parts of the country be- or certain parts of the globe because th- they they just don't have the infrastructure or the economy to support a center as we would understand it. You know, uh, whether you're sitting in a, you know, in a, in a rural area or you're in a metro area here, you probably are, are have uh, great advantages over pregnancy centers that would be, say, in you know, Kenya or, um, or in, you know, in parts of Asia, it's like these are, or or Eastern Europe, these are uh, areas that uh, need more. And we look, we look for opportunities to do more with the international centers as well.
1: And how many was that again, you said in the US, how many are affiliated out of the 2800? Yeah, it's, it's 1900 and something. It's uh, close to okay. 2000
0: at this point in time. Yeah. So about, okay. That's uh, yeah, awesome. it's a good, it's a good number.
1: So when a when a brand new clinic is opening their doors, you know they're they're being planted as a, a PHC seed to you know to sprout up in a new uh, region or a new zip code. Um, how would you encourage that person to um, connect with Heartbeat when it comes to you know to uh, getting assistance and help? from the beginning and through the rest of that yeah that growth essentially for you know as they as they blossom into this new clinic reaching their community and for years to come how how would you encourage that that's person a, well, to think that, about heartbeat yeah thank you that's a great question so first of all like like
0: even in the fledgling uh moments of that even before the center's open they're they're going to be established as an organization uh, you know they're probably on track to that. We we affiliate them at no. We give them a, a year's free affiliation in that in those kind of fledgling uh, uh, times for the very reason so that they can access as much as possible uh, that we have available at heartbeat. We have a a manual called built by design it really is really helps people walk through what does it mean there's even a smaller version of that called a vision for your organization that we'll send to whomever is even thinking about it uh so we really want to be able to step into them into that uh time frame with them we certainly encourage them to get training early on in fact we've been able to have grants from time to time to help organizations at that very stage uh to um to get good training, uh, to 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 get some gifts in kind that, that allow them to kind of hopefully catalyze what they're doing. I, I have great confidence because what happens, I found, uh, Jacob, is that the, the Holy Spirit is at work in those groups and the Holy Spirit will bring what they need. And we like to help the Holy Spirit wherever we can because we know that they're on a good path. And if we can help them get uh, established stronger, uh, founded better, and to be able to be really, um, they call it, what is it? Uh, Forming, norming, storming, right? We we really we want to get that from forming to storming as fast as possible. When really the mission is is uh, kicked into high gear, the the quicker that can happen, the more lives will be saved and the more hearts will be touched in that community. So we have uh, a, cu- a couple of folks and uh, that are kind of specialists in that and helping centers. Uh, go through that process, including boards, board training, uh hey, how can we help you get get where you're going faster? We want to be a part of that so we we hope that they'll connect to us that they'll find us, and then we can basically you know get as much to them as they're willing to consume. Uh, it all depends on how God is calling them how how many people have they brought around them uh, to ha- really help make that happen. We've seen it happen not hundreds but thousands of times, and we we look forward to more of those. There is definitely. Room to grow uh, for pregnancy centers. We have a uh, uh, some key areas in our country that are are underserved uh, as far as pregnancy centers. We did a report uh, a couple of years ago, really looking at the map. We did a kind of population uh, uh, evaluation to see how well are we doing in the states. And you know, it's not surprising that some of our abortion states really could could uh, do well with more. Uh, pregnancy help uh, uh, locations. Now, that's not just new organizations. It also, um, centers are opening up new satellite locations, expanding, kind of stretching out their their service area. Uh, we think that more centers should be doing um, uh, really virtual virtual services as well, looking for opportunities to uh, be available because because the chemical abortion is really changing the landscape. Uh, she doesn't have to go to an appointment. She, you know, she simply can order the order the chemical abortion online. It can be delivered, you know, right to her door. Very, it's, they're doing every. The other side, the abortion side is doing everything they can to reduce the friction uh, for her to make that decision, which is, is curious. It's, um, you know, it's one of those things where you watch and you realize like, you know, the, the, the God of the universe does not rush us in decisions. He wants us you know, he wants us to be obedient and respond, but the enemy of our soul uh, really wants to kind of either pull us back from doing what God wants or rush us forward into doing what we want. And that's often where we find ourselves kind of out of out of really where, where God wants us to be. And so I, I think this idea from a now from a business perspective, the abortion industry is just trying to, you know, make it as frictionless as possible, really for the sake of their their uh, pocketbooks, right, so that their profits are, are maximized. Uh, but what that means is that is that people are being forced into a decision that they really haven't even had time to think about. They haven't had time to kind of sit back and say, is this what I really want? But And the abortion industry is quite fine with that. Uh, some of our some of the states uh, that are making laws now are quite fine with that. Uh, we think that women deserve better, that they really should have a chance to to, to have someone in their corner helping them walk through that decision-making process and that's exactly what pregnancy help is all about
1: that's good and and speaking of like you know location you know identifying where, where where help is needed or where pregnancy clinics you know need to uh increase their you know essentially provide services in a high high population area um i think that is awesome and so I would just like to encourage people who are listening, you know, to think, you know, if you want advice on where to open a location, if you want someone to bounce ideas off of, I'm sure this would, you know, Heartbeat would be a great place to to talk to in order to essentially, yeah, get uh, insight and reflections. I also would would love to have that conversation with about anybody as well, because I think that's really identifying where there's need is really important also when it comes to like rural areas uh with less populations um you know the narrative can be flipped from like we only saved three lives in this time frame of let's say three months you know that that narrative can can be flipped into saying thank god we saved three lives in three months and that is amazing and and so I, th- You know, we can't, we, you know, not all of us live in Florida where there is a high density of abortions taking place because because of the culture, the the abortion clinic, just the number of abortion clinics that are present and the number of population in a small area when it comes to just having millions of people packed into a given county. Uh, I I would just encourage people who are listening, you know, we do need uh, growth in high population areas or where, uh, you know, the number of abortions are just, terrible and high but we also need help in rural areas where there are people and i would i would encourage these are it's not always a numbers game it's sometimes it's a matter of being it's it's also a location um vested interest and so for your community i would encourage everyone who's listening to think where do we need a pregnancy clinic based on the people that are in our yeah in our community all so what are your thoughts on you know numbers versus location because i've been thinking about that yeah. recently a lot yeah well
0: i think it's like churches you know if if um and and mcdonald's like uh because i'm a mcdonald's fan <laughs> judge me if you sure want. um but you <laughs> know, Mc, mcdonald's doesn't create one ginormous mcdonald's in the middle of the of the metropolitan area they, they go all kinds of places walmart does the same thing right they go to these communities uh, because because they're they're both a need and an opportunity, and that's exactly what I think we need to do from now D- do the, does that Does that rural center need to be open you know six days a week and and for ten hours every day? Probably not. Um, and, and that might be an easier thing for an established center and maybe in the in the city to then to then launch a satellite uh, that you know so that you have really kind of economies of scale, right? So they're not having to lift everything from the ground up. Um, and then it may be, maybe an opportunity for a, a new, you know, a new group to come in and do some things just that way. So it's, there, it's theirs and owned by them in the sense, but when we start looking at service areas, like, you know, there, there are swaths. We did that in our study. We actually did it county by county. Uh, and the good news is when we did that study, we had 51% of the counties of the U S there are 3000 or so, uh, counties in the U S and 51% of them had at least one pregnancy center. Hallelujah. But that means 49 percent did not. Right. So now, granted, you know, most of those are going to be rural, rural areas. I'm not saying that every one of those absolutely needs one. But I do think that there's a lot that still do. And that's one of the things that if someone wants that study, we're happy to pass that along. It's a it's a couple years old now, but it's still worth um, uh, kind of using as an evaluation point. And we look forward to updating it very soon.
1: Oh, that's that's awesome. Yeah, and that's really good information. And in some counties, the need for a large number of pregnancy clinics is is needed because of the fact that you know there's there's a larger population, there's a larger amount of opposition who is actively promoting and marketing in that space. Um, But the fact that we have at least one in fifty one percent of the counties, I I I had forgotten that number, and that's really encouraging. Thank you for yeah sharing that. Sure. Um, Well, I actually, actually, Jacob, I I remember seeing
0: it somewhere where the abortion industry was bemoaning the fact that there were, you know, that they were only in 12% of the count. I mean, 88%. I thought uh, that we didn't know, like we hadn't even done that. This kind of what inspired the the research on that was like, well, how many counties are we in? And we started to look at it and used our uh, worldwide directory to help uh, understand that, which is which is counting all of the pregnancy centers, right? Not just our affiliates. It's all of them uh, that we know of, and and we were delighted to find that that was 51. percent And I I'm hoping uh, that when we we re- do, we renew that uh, information in the beginning of next year, that we'll find that it's uh, it's increased, because uh, uh, I know we've we've helped open a few centers, new ones. Uh, through our life launch program in counties that did not previously have a pregnancy center. So I know it's gone up a little bit, whether or not it's been enough to kind of tick the the counter up to 52 or 53%, I don't know yet.
1: Yeah. And then, yeah, and then obviously a new study. Um, yeah, that'd be, it'd be interesting to see how much growth we've had over those years. So, uh for the sake of time i think we've got about five minutes left and so there's something i want to make sure that we address before we we have to wrap things up and that is um the next conference the next heartbeat conference coming up in uh is it it's in salt lake city utah uh april something next year (laughs) i don't know what day in april but it's always april um no, it's not always so, April, but but yeah, it is it's oh. landed
0: in April the last couple of years and uh, okay. occasionally we kinda of dip <laughs> at the end of usually we're dancing Mar- around Easter, right? Depends upon where okay. Easter's moving. Uh so we're well after I think I think Easter is actually gonna be in March this year, but we're at the end of April, oh, yes. Okay. So like twenty six, twenty-six, twenty-seven, twenty-eight, somewhere around there.
1: Yeah, so I would encourage those who are listening um, you know, if you're affiliated, you probably have been to a heartbeat conference before. Um, you should go again. It's this is this is the place to be, you know, we're, they're not teaching things that, you know, they taught ten years ago. Hopefully they still actually hopefully that's still the case. But <laughs> there are things that are new. There are things that have changed, and there are things that uh and really getting back to the basics, honestly, that is always part of everyone's um you know, being prepared, completely prepared, is including basics, but at the same time, having knowledge and information based on the current environment. and, And in a post row world, and with current things going on, it's really good. The speakers are epic. And that's actually one of the things that inspired this podcast was to invite a speaker. So, you know, essentially Lori DeVillis is one of the people I was thinking of when I was thinking through this idea of this podcast, because she would go to a heartbeat conference or to another conference and she would share about 40 things in about an hour and it was really <laughs> really good but i longed that for her to have only you know to have the opportunity to share one thing maybe with an extra 30 minutes on that one thing and so that was one of my inspirations for this podcast was to give someone who you know of the caliber of a heartbeat international conference and giving them more time on less, <laughs> and so because it, because it's such an <laughs> abo- awesome opportunity, but you know, and there's so many good things to share, and so my goal was to try and just slow it down so someone could, um, yeah, have have less to share over a longer period of time, and, because I but I, based on being uh, inspired by literally the, the the caliber of speakers that are often at a heartbeat international conference or consistently at a heartbeat international conference, so.
0: Well thanks, Jacob. It, it's one of our great privileges to really put that on and to, to get the chance to stand in the same room with so many heroes of ours. Uh I, I think that whole idea of community uh and the conference really kind of represents kind of the best visible opportunity to see us all together in one room. Not that all of us are there, uh, but this is a, it's a strong representation. I know we had um we had uh close to I, I think in our we have two conferences really we have the in-person conference and we have the virtual conference and you know we had uh nearly 1900 people that were involved in all of that 1500 you know 1600 in a room at the or with us at the hotel in louisville where we were last year uh we're hoping for the similar numbers uh in salt lake city but it's a great opportunity when we can just come together and 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 just to be near each other because i really think there's two things one is like no one really understands the work of pregnancy help like another person that does pregnancy help so to be in a room together uh to you know whether we live in um you know uh alabama or we live in arizona it's like you know we're, we come together and, and be in the same room is an amazing thing and it's really part of that community and that's another thing that that uh, really really touches me about being at the conference is really the fact that. Uh, we can be in community. That's really what what we should be. And, you know, that's why one of the reasons why at our conference, we don't vary the cost for our affiliates versus non-affiliates. So it's just as accessible uh, to those that are not affiliated because we think that the opportunity is important to make it as available to all as we can.
1: Oh, that's, that is awesome. So would you um, close out this podcast with a, with a prayer? Um, I think we have about two minutes left. And so I just want to, yeah, honor your time. And, but yeah, would you close this out with a prayer? Certainly. Thank you, Jacob, for the opportunity. Father, I thank you for Jacob.
0: I thank you for the team at iRapture and for how so many years they've been serving the pregnancy help community with uh, faithfulness, with uh a passion and uh, just with a wisdom and discernment. Pray that you continue to bless them and bless this prod- podcast and Jacob uh, for doing it. And Lord, I just thank you for the Pregnancy Help community, how you have brought people who have been at this uh, for longer than I have, Lord, have been at this for many, many years. And you've also brought people who have just stepped into the movement in the last year. And Lord, it is a quite a dynamic time for that to be the case. But thank you, Lord, for uh, calling your people to accomplish your work. And so Lord, we thank you for this opportunity that you give us to champion you, uh, the giver of life, and to champion what you give, the gift of life. And so Father, I thank you for the blessing it is to be a part of this missionary field uh, that you've called us to. And thank you, Lord, for everything that you provide for us for what you've called us to accomplish. We trust in you. Uh we believe, Lord, that you'll that you do this. And we thank you, Father, that you give us the privilege to be part of it. And I ask your blessing on all of them.
3: Bye.
1: Include Heritage House, Patriot Insurance, and iRapture.com. The Pro Life Team podcast is a ministry of iRapture.com. If you would like
2: to explore making a donation or becoming a sponsor, or have a recommendation for who would be a good guest on the podcast, please contact us at at hello@prolife.team.